Um, we're in week three of our identity series. We're halfway through, so I thought it would be really good to stop and just do a bit of a recap. So, for those of you who have been listening, taking in this service, taking in this series, let's just reorientate ourselves. In creation, God did something with a formless void. What did he do? Yes, yep. So there was this process. It was a process of doing what? Separating, dividing, making things distinct, but also what? Sorry. Yeah, awesome. So, thanks, Tom. God separated. He made things distinct and unique and different, but he also united them together in a relationship. And I think we've got... A slide for that. Hey, there we go. Awesome. So if God does this, what does sin do? Ian. Yeah, yeah, it creates false, false division, but it also uh, erases kind of the difference. It erases this um, diversity that God has given us. So that's where we've kind of got to that um, we live in a world where God has created this diversity, he's created us for relationship, he's created us in his image and thank you so much Kylie for reminding us of all those things that God has um, placed in us, the identity that he's given us but we live in a world where that identity is being eroded. That's kind of where our world stands today and we can see it happening But the good news, the gospel, is that God has acted. In Jesus, he has brought us back into relationship with himself. That he has redeemed us as children. So he has brought us back into relationship. He's healed that division. He's reconciled us. But he's also restored in us that image and that difference and that diversity that comes from him and is a gift from him. So he acts with love in welcoming us back in, but also in healing and transformation, in renewing our identity and restoring those things in our hearts, in our lives that are not of him to bring us back to this wholeness and this fullness of what it means to be human. So one of my favorite sayings that kind of sums up what we've been talking about is that God loves us as we are, but too much to leave us that way. Um, we looked a little bit too about how Jesus lived this out. I kind of talked about living this life where you're different but also connected is really difficult to do. To love and challenge, hold on to truth and love is really tricky to do. But we see Jesus doing it in the gospel. We see him living with grace and truth, calling people into connection with himself but at the same time saying, and I want to see you live this life that you were created to live. Go and leave your life of sin. Awesome. So that's where we're up to, but this morning I want to, I want to put another thought out there for you that's really quite confronting. Because in Jesus we come face to face with the truth that in him we're commanded to do the same as what he did. He said, come to me and I'll show you how to live 
like I live. Come follow my ways of grace and truth. Come and be a people who are high on that invitation that I offered, that grace, but are also high on challenge and stand for justice and want to see this world recreated back to and renewed to what it should be. He said to us, as the Father sent me into this world to bring love and truth, I'm sending you. That's an awesome calling. We are called, sent, to do what Jesus did in the world. Uh, This is what it says in Psalm 8. I love it. It's one of my favorite Psalms. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and put everything under their feet. Who are we that the creator of heaven and earth should put his name on us and then send us to go and be to the world what he has been to us? But that's the calling that we have in Jesus. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Who are we that we should be God's agents of reconciliation in the world? But that is who we are. Uh, This is what uh, it says in Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is through, from God, who reconciled to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Don't miss that. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. In Christ, we've been given this new identity, but we've also been given a new purpose. We are Christ's ambassadors. And just as Paul says, be reconciled to God, that's That's our mission as well, to say to this world, to enact in this world, be reconciled to God. Come back into this purpose that it was originally created for. We are sent into the world to say, come as you are, but also to challenge the things that are broken and say, let's set things right that have been marred and erased by sin. Let's see you come into the fullness of life. Let's see this world head back towards its intention. We are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Unsalty salt uh, is more useless than dirt, actually. Like, you can't do anything with unsalty salt. Uh, When we talk about the challenge of following Jesus, this is it. Uh, Miroslav Wolf, um, I've been reading his book, it's fantastic, about identity and unity. He says of this passage that the feel of doom hangs over this passage. That we should read this passage and feel the weight of the challenge of it. You are the salt of the earth. 
But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything. That question hangs in the air. Um, yesterday, uh, the whole MLT were at um, the 4D conference, and the theme of the conference was renewal, how we as a church are called to be a renewing presence in the world, to join Jesus in his ministry of reconciliation. But one of the things that stood out to me is that the place where that starts is actually in lament. It's in confession, in saying, actually, God, we are not the people that we should be. We are not as salty as we should be. Some of us aren't, anyway. <laughs> uh, we have fallen short. And, and God, we bring to you those things and those places, and we just cry over them and say, please, renew us. Have your way in us. Because unless there's repentance, transformation can't happen. Transformation comes when we acknowledge that we need God, that we need healing, that we need to see his life come into our life. Miroslav Wolf goes on, he says, What we should turn away from seems clear. It's captivity to our own culture, coupled with blind self-righteousness. So think of the Pharisees who thought that they were doing the right thing by keeping all the rules, but inside had a heart that was just festering and unrepentant. But what should we turn to? This is a question I want to look at this morning. What do we actually turn to? How do we live as Christian communities today faced with all the things that are going on in the world, the new tribalism that is fracturing our societies, separating people and cultures and groups, and fermenting vicious conflicts? Um, I don't know if you've seen Middle East last week, over the last week, huge tribal battles going on, even in our own culture, around uh, identity and what it means to be human and how we should live, race, colour, ideas, ideology. What should the relation of the churches be to the cultures that they inhabit? The answer lies, I propose, in cultivating the proper relationship between distance from culture and belonging to it. What does distance mean? What does belonging mean? Distance in the name of what? Belonging in the name of what? Many profound theological issues are involved in answering these questions. That's where we're going this morning. We need to get our heads right on how to be distant from our culture and how to belong. If we can do that, then we can live out that mission that Jesus sent us to do, to go and be his ambassadors and do it well. So how can we be salt and light? How can we be in the world but not of the world? How can we stay close to God and yet follow his call to go? How do we love our neighbours without becoming like the culture that we live in? That's the question that we're wrestling with this morning.
And um, I want to get an answer to it, not so we can be comfortable. The answer to this question doesn't make you comfortable. The answer to this question helps you live uncomfortably in this world. That's what we need to do. And um, do you know what the best thing about these questions are? best thing about this question is that this has been the question that the people of God have been asking themselves since the very beginning, since the call to Abraham. This is actually our story. Our story is of a people who live distant from, but also belonging to and living for the people around them. That is what it means to be a person of faith. So when God called Abraham, what he said to him is, go, Go from your country, go from your kindred, from your father's house and the land to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in you all families on earth shall be blessed. God literally called Abraham to leave his country, his culture and his family. All the markers of identity, he said, leave it all behind. Cut all the ties that define you. Everything. And all that I give you, uh, in place of that, is a promise. And it's this promise. I will be with you, and I'll bless you, and through you, I'll bless the world. Uh, do you relate to Abraham, <laughs> to that challenge and that promise? I'm seeing a few nods around the place. Here's the thing. So often, God does the same with us. If you follow Jesus for long enough, you will be familiar with this call. Leave this marker of identity behind with the promise that I will bless you and I am for you. Um, you can only follow Jesus for a certain amount of time before you bang into something that you have as part of your identity that he wants to redeem. And the call is, leave it behind and trust me that I am for you and I will bless you. He asks us to let go of what we have so that we can take hold of what he going to give us. It's um, one of those moments of transition. Like the best analogy that I can think of is it's like the moment when you let go of one trapeze so that you can grab the next trapeze. Yeah, yeah, for the tra trapezists out there. <laughs> but it's that, that thing of letting go of something and just floating through space for a minute before you can catch the next thing. Uh, Brené Brown um, talks a lot about this space um, for those of you who like her she said faith is a place of mystery where we find the courage to believe in what we ca cannot see and the strength to let go of our fear and uncertainty it's like um, setting out across an ocean when you can't actually see the other side I don't, I don't know if you've ever had the experience I grew up sailing as a kid and I distinctly remember being out in the middle of the ocean where you can't see land on either side of you. But you've got a map 
And you've got this certainty that if you keep going, you'll get to somewhere safe. Jesus talked about it a lot as setting off on a path, a path that you've never walked down before and whose destination you've never been to. Have you ever had that experience? Going down a new road to a new place. That's what he called Abraham to. Go with me on a path you've never been to before, to a place that you've never been to before with the promise that I will be with you and I will guide you and I will get you there and I will bless you. Jesus says this all the time. He says, come follow me. Come follow me on the narrow path that leads to the kingdom of God. Uh, No matter who you are, you will be asked to make that choice at some point because God is not in the business of leaving you where you are. God is in the business of restoration and leading you to a new place. It's part of the deal. There will be a choice. The incredible thing about Abraham is he made that choice. He said, okay, I'm with you. I'm leaving everything and I'm off. He did it time and time again, actually, throughout his life. You'll face the same choice. You can stay in the place where you are defined by the standards of the world and the things that have been. Or you can step out and find a place that is found in Jesus, but you can't do both. You can't stay and also go with Jesus. You will have to choose. So, as believers in Jesus, there are times when we're often called to cut ties with the things that define us. Both for good. Um, Sometimes there are things that define us that have been like an anchor around our neck and Jesus says, that is no longer who you are. You are not defined by those things. But also sometimes for ill. Sometimes we are actually pretty good by the standards of this world and Jesus says, no, those are not the things that define you either. Those successes, those things that you find your identity in and make you feel good about yourself, let them go and find an identity in me. God does both. And departure means being willing to trust him, cut that tie, go on the narrow path and follow him. Put some distance between ourselves and who we are in our culture. There's always a cost to that. This is what Jesus said. He said, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If you follow Jesus and have your identity in him, it will make you different from the world, and it will often bring persecution. The very next line after that is, you are the salt of the earth. (laughs) But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Like Abraham, our ultimate allegiance is to God. Not to a particular country or culture or family. Our faith is always a little bit out of step with the rest of our identity, (laughs) with the rest of our culture. To be a Christian means to be a stranger in this world. Uh, We're Christians first, then Australians 
or New Zealanders or Canadians or South Africans. Christians first, then parents or partners or individuals or Crow supporters or doctors or teachers or unemployed or liberal or conservative. Hang on. <laughs> or port supporters. <laughs> or bulldog supporters. <laughs> Our identity in Christ comes above all those things and shapes all of those things. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, they cannot be my disciple. He says, be willing to cut the ties that you need to in order to be obedient to me and find your identity in me. Faith is a process of leaving our past identity behind so that we can take hold of our new identity in Christ. It is letting go of that trapeze so that we can grab onto the next one. Paul put it like this, he says, What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I'll live among them, I'll live with them and walk among them, and I'll be their God and they'll be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I'll be a father to you, and you'll be my sons and daughters, said the Lord Almighty. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let's purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Come out and be separate. Commit yourself to holiness. Uh, That's 2 Corinthians, yeah. Awesome. Um, Just to make this a little bit more practical, when a teacher of the law came to Jesus, he said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but I have no place to lay my head. In other words, this is not my home, and if you come follow me, it won't be your home either. Abraham, the disciples, uh, followers of Jesus throughout history have made that choice. Um, Peter said uh, to Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus said, truly I tell you, no one who's left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or friends or fields for me and for the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, and along with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many of the first will be last, and the last to be, will be first. That's, uh, that's the promise that goes with this. Yes, you need to let go of something, but you will receive a hundred times as much, and you'll be part of the kingdom of God. So be willing to make that call. You'll have to let go of something. You'll have to be strangers in this world. But you will have a home with me in the kingdom of God and I will bless you. That's the challenge and the invitation, actually. Come learn from me and I will give you an identity that will be a blessing to you. So we're called to be strangers in this world. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Gary. I'll take that as a compliment. (laughs) You too. (laughs) 
Uh, the trick, though, is to be strangers in the right way. We're not, <laughs> we're not called to be strange. <laughs> well, not too strange, anyway. Um, we need to find distance from our culture so that we can find the blessing of God, but we aren't meant to leave it. We're meant to live in this culture as strangers. It's, the goal isn't to get away from this culture. Departure isn't the goal. Finding a home in the kingdom is. So part of what God does in our life is ask us to leave, ask us to step back, to find our identity in him. But then once we've done that, he sends us back and says, now go, go in my power, go into the world. God is here at work right now. This is his city and his place. He is the Lord of heaven and earth, of all of creation. He is at work right now. And his good purpose is to include us in that work, to actually go send us out and go, once you've found your identity in me, go out in my power and in my authority and as my ambassadors and witnesses to this world and start to bring the transformation that's happened in you to this place where you live. Um, in Acts, uh, Paul talks about God determining the times and places where we should live. I don't know if that's ever occurred to you, but that God has called you into this time and this place for a purpose. You're not here by accident. You are called to this world, to this place, to this city, to the relationships that you have. You're not called to separate from them and run away. You're called to find your identity in Jesus and then be a blessing in this place, be at work, join in him what he is doing. When we come home to him, he gives us this identity and one of the first things he does is give us a mission and a purpose and send us. Uh, it's May Missions Month at the moment. Uh, you may be aware of that. I think we've got a video coming up a bit later. But last week I showed you a video and it talked about exactly this. It talked about coming alongside people and loving them and understanding their culture and getting involved in their culture, but doing it as someone who's a follower of Jesus and is learning how to live out that faith in the place where God has put you. I love that God does this. That there's no one single way to follow him. It's not like when you become a Christian, then you have to retreat and go to a monastery somewhere and dedicate yourself to this program and that's the only place where you can follow Jesus. No, I love that. Even though we're strangers in this world, at every place in this world, every country, every culture, every time, people have faithfully worshipped Jesus in a way that was connected with their place but also reflected who they were in him. I love that about Jesus. It's one of the things, we were just talking about it this morning, that um, I had the opportunity to go to Africa when I was 18 years old. And what I loved is meeting African brothers and sisters who are Christian and worship Jesus in a completely different way to me. And it was a beautiful thing, and it made me suddenly realize, wow, this faith that we're a part of is so much richer and diverse, more diverse than I thought. Rather than keeping us separate from time and space, God enriches our culture. He sends us out to breathe new life into our culture and this place. 
Abraham left, but he was also sent. His whole purpose was to create a nation and bless the world and be a light unto the world. God didn't say, come out with me and we'll send you over here into the corner. He said, come with me and I'll bring you into the center so that you can bring life to the people around him. That's the call on us, to be distant and different, but also to belong and be engaged and be right at the center of things. To make a home even as strangers. It sounds a bit like a, uh, what's the word? Contradiction to be at home as strangers. But that's the way of living that God's people have done throughout history. Uh, probably the best example of that is the exile. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, don't decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Do you see that relationship? Be involved, pray for the city, see it prosper. Live your life there well and share your life with the people there. That's what it means to be strangers in the right way. Paul talks about it regularly. He says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Rather than withdrawing from politics and withdrawing from civil life, Paul says, pray for all of those in leadership. Pray that we might be able to live out our faith in a way that is good and peaceful and winsome and people see how you live and encounter your Father. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. The way you live is supposed to shine as light in this world. He says, look for opportunities. He said, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because this you are called, so that you may inherit a blessing. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Don't fear their threats. Don't be frightened. In other words, stay distinctive. Be kind. Be good. Be gracious. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it's better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, 
the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. We are to follow the example of Christ. If we're to suffer, we do it. Knowing that we are called to be a blessing to people. We are called to stay with people, to be present, to stay engaged, to live quiet lives, to do good. Um, in Thessalonians it tells us, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. It's this balance between being distant and being present. Live good lives. Honour Jesus. Be firm in that, but do it in such a way that others can see and encounter that and you invite them into that. Be invested. Be for the world around you. But let it come out from a life that's centred in Christ and sure of your identity in Him and it's not overly tied to the world around you. Um, Paul gives his own life as an example of how to do that. Um, he goes on to say, I've, I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel. He said, wherever I went, I tried to get invested. Different cultures, different languages, I tried to be present with people so that I could live out the gospel there and share the good news and that they might come to the salvation that comes from knowing Jesus as well. That's the life that we're meant to live. We're not meant to be separate and follow God on a mission out into the wilderness to just find ourselves and find him. We're actually called to go as family into this world, be present, be salt and light and yeast, live out our faith in Jesus, not be too caught up in all the things that this world is caught up with, but just humbly live as followers of Jesus and invite others to do the same. Okay, um, I've spent a lot of time talking for the visual learners out there. Um, here's a diagram of what I've actually been talking about. Hey, there you go. This is where we live, in the crossover between the kingdom of God and the culture around us. We're called to make our home there, to stay committed to his kingdom, to living out the values of his kingdom, but also not withdrawing completely from this world, to actually want to see his kingdom come into the world and grow and other people step into their identity in him. Um, we recognise that there's a gap, that over here there are some ways of living that this world isn't doing that we are called to, and so we're going to pursue that. And we recognise that there's a gap over here, that there are some things in this world that we will need to say no to or that will bring challenge or persecution against us and we need to stand firm from so that we can live in his kingdom. Um, this life actually starts with us. That's why I've been talking about this identity stuff, not just because I think it's an interesting topic to discuss, but because living in the world starts with ourselves. Uh, how do you redeem the world? Start by redeeming yourself. Uh, I read a quote this week that says, there are many parts of the world we can't do anything about except pray. But there is one part of the world, one part of physical reality that we can do something about. 
and that's the place called yourself. The uh, other quote that I read this week that I found very challenging is, if the gospel isn't transforming us, how do we know that it will transform anything else? So we start with us. We start with the transformation that comes from loving God and being loved by God. But then we recognize that we're not called just to look inwards. God has created a body. He's in the business of bringing people together and creating community. It requires grace and patience. But in the church, in this place here, in this people gathered together, the world is supposed to get a glimpse of what life is meant to be like, what, the, what community is meant to be like, what grace and truth look like when they lived out in diversity and unity. That we are practicing here what it looks like to live the kingdom. One of the things that we do as we gather as church is say this is what it looks like to be united and to be different, to serve one another and bless one another so that we can offer that invitation to the world, come and be a part of God's kingdom. So, this is where we are. Next week, we're going to finish up by learning how to do this in practice. How to actually put some uh, feet on the ground with this. What it takes and what it looks like to practically love and live and what are the disciplines and what are the ways that we can do that. But for now... I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray that we would be different in the right way and that we would be connected in the right way. So why don't you join together in prayer with me? Actually, why don't we stand as we pray?